0: Mom. Welcome back to our series about believing and awaiting Mashiach. Today, in our third episode, we'll be briefly recapping some of the things we've spoken about in the previous segments and then zeroing in on some very important information. Trying to understand why it is that Maimonides' Rambam in his halachic codes or rulings seems to emphasize yet another Biblical proof for our need to believe in and await Mashiach. So let's go back to the codes, Mishnah Torah. We're in the 14th book, Sefer Shoftim, the last set of halachot, which is called the laws of kings and their wars. And the last two chapters talk about Mashiach in halachic terminology. As we've learned previously, the Rambam boldly stakes out his position. Anyone who does not believe in the coming of Mashiach, or literally in Him, or doesn't actively await and anticipate His coming, not only does he deny the rest of the Prophets, but rather, who kofer, the Torah, ube Moshe Rabbeinu. This person is a heretic, one who denies the Torah. And here we make a reference to what the world calls the Pentateuch, or the five books of Moses, and Moshe Rabbeinu himself. Now mitzvahs, actual commandments in the Torah, all show up in the Pentateuch, all 613 of them none of the prophets added anything that wasn't already spoken about or alluded to in the prophecies given to us by Moses, Moshe Rabbeinu himself. It's critically important for the Rambam to establish the idea and ideal of a messianic redemption rooted not only in the later scriptures or prophets, but actually in the trunk of the Torah itself. <laughs> The Rambam did this by telling us, quote, The Torah testifies to Mashiach's coming. The Rambam listed a collection of verses lifted from the book of Deuteronomy in chapter 30, verses 3 through 5. I'm not going to repeat that. We've learned about this in the previous episodes. But the Rambam does then come back with a rejoinder after quoting these verses which clearly allude to a messianic redemption, a restoration of the Holy Land of Israel an ingathering of the exiles and the bringing back of our former glory the Rambam goes on to say and once again, this is a quote hadvarim ha-mifurashim these words These things which are explicitly spelled out in the Torah, they are inclusive of all the statements made by the later prophets. Then the Rambam went on to introduce us to yet another proof found in the Torah itself. His verbiage is, af parshas bilam. Now, af parshas bilam is reference to Mashiach is also made in the Torah portion we call Boloch today, but in the words, the prophecies of Bilam. Maimonides goes on to quote from the 24th chapter of the book of Numbers, Sefer Bamidbar, Midbar, verses 17 and 18. And he identifies that these verses speak about Two Mashiachim, two anointed saviors of the Jewish people, King David and the ultimate redemption that will come through Mashiach. The Kiryat Sefer, an important commentary in the Rambam, maintains that the reason that it's important to highlight King David and Mashiach is to send home a simple message. Just as the prophecies about King David were fulfilled in their fullness, so too the prophecies about the coming of Mashiach will also be fulfilled. Now, in previous episodes, we've talked about the man and the moment. In the first proof, the verses of Deuteronomy, the Rambam introduces us to the era known as Mashiach. In the second set of proofs, the Rambam introduces us to the Torah idea that there will be a person who is chosen, selected by God Himself. He will be called the Mashiach, the Anointed One, to lead our world to global peace. As mentioned in the previous episode, the Khatam Sofer highlights this and says, you see, the Rambam felt compelled to introduce you to those verses, to emphasize belief not only in the era, age, or concept of Mashiach, but also in the person of Mashiach, because we have an opinion in the Gemara who said, In that part of the Messianic redemption will no longer be realized. That opinion attributed to Hillel was deflected, and the halacha is ruled otherwise clearly. And the Rambam proves it to us with these verses. Now, here's the thing. There's a major difference between the first proof and the second proof. Besides the fact that the first collection of verses, from Parshat Nitzavim, taken from the 30th chapter of Deuteronomy, besides the fact that they are talking about the era of Mashiach, And the second collection of verses from the 24th chapter of the book of Numbers are talking about the person who will be anointed as Mashiach. The first collection of verses are explicit. It's actually spelled out in the Torah. So much so that the Rambam uses the words, Shaharei HaTorah Heida Olav. The Torah itself bears testimony. The second collection of verses are certainly Torah statements, but they're not entirely clear. They're only highlighted, developed and annotated by the oral tradition. Let's not make any mistakes. If somebody denies the oral tradition of Torah, he's also called a heretic. The Ramam is very clear about that in the laws of Tshuva, as well as in the laws of Mamrim, rebellious Jews. But the Torah cannot be said to testify in explicit terminology. Whereas in the first proof, it's explicit. The Rambam points this out. After saying, The Torah itself bears testimony. The Rambam says, Ve'elu hadvarim These things which are explicit, spelled out clearly in the Torah. They include all the words that are prophets. Only after saying, and these are the explicit statements in the Torah, does the Rambam go on to int- introduce us to Parshas Bilam with the words, Af. Reference to Mashiach is made there too. As I shared with you in a previous episode, the Lecha Mishnah, in his commentary on the Rambam, highlights the fact that Rashi, in his commentary on Chumash, explains these verses slightly differently. Some of the verses which Rambam attributes to be speaking about Mashiach, Rashi suggests they're actually speaking about David HaMelech and vice versa. The Lechemishnah sums up the seeming disparity by simply saying, Ulay he chalukim. There were different teachings from our sages. It is clear, abundantly clear, that Bilam referred to David HaMelech. There's no question about this. We have an unbroken tradition. That's the oral Torah that comes along with those verses. Precisely which verse or word is referring to Dovet HaMelech, King David, and which word or precisely which phrase or part of the pasuk of the verse is referring to the coming of Mashiach or the person who will be anointed at the end of time, hopefully speedily in an hour days, this is not clear. So it's not explicit. So we have an explicit verse in the Torah, and then we have verses in the Torah which are expounded, only spelled out and explained in our Torah Shabalpeh, in our oral tradition. Let's not make any mistakes. The oral tradition is intrinsically a part of Torah. After all, as Maimonides, Rambam himself says in his introduction to Mishnah Torah, without the oral Torah, you have no Torah. The Torah, for example, says we should observe the Shabbat How precisely does one do that? The Torah clearly says we should affix a mezuzah to our doorpost. What is a mezuzah? The Torah clearly says we should be putting on tefillin every day. What in heaven are tefillin? Without an oral Torah, without the explanation, the Torah, the Bible, is a closed book. It actually says just about nothing. Yet, there is a specific value placed on explicit verses when the Torah spells out in full color a messianic redemption, you know that the coming of Mashiach is rooted in Torah itself. Why then did the Rambam bring us the verses from Parshas Balak, the prophecies of Bilam? The answer, as we explained in the previous episode, is because the first verses that speak explicitly only reference the age. The era, the idea that there will be a messianic redemption. But this could be through God. The fact that it has to be through a Mashiach, a man anointed and appointed, this is something that isn't spelled out in the book of Deuteronomy. So the Ramam feels it's important to introduce you to verses that whilst not explicit, nonetheless clearly allude to the person of Mashiach. And here's where it gets really interesting. The Rambam then, this is Padek, Yud Aleph. Chapter 11. In Halacha 2, a separate Halacha, the Rambam adds, Af miklot, in addition to the ideas, which are spelled out in the Parsha or the prophecies of Bilaam, Af, additionally, or also, we have a reference to the coming of Mashiach, when we talk about the cities of refuge. So I'm not sure how to translate the word af, maybe even similarly, also. Clearly it's an addition. In addition to what we've said till now. The Rambam introduced the explicit proofs. Then he said af, let me add one more detail. Let me tell you about the verses that speak about the person of Mashiach. Now he says, similarly, let me add another detail. What's he talking about? Well, Rambam is sending us back to the 19th chapter of the book of Deuteronomy, Sefer Devarim. In the beginning of Pederkites, the Torah speaks about the concept of cities of refuge. Moshe Rabbeinu tells the Jewish people, you know that God has commanded us to designate six cities of refuge. These are cities in which the unintentional murderers will be able to find shelter, from the close relatives of the victim who might seek to avenge their murder. If they are to dwell outside of these cities, they're exposed to danger. If they're in the cities, they find asylum. Moshe Abeinu tells the Jewish people, I've already designated three cities in the territories that has been assigned to the tribes of Ruven God and half of the tribe of Manasseh. That's what we call Transjordan. That was part of Biblical Israel, but added on later. Then, when you cross the Jordan River into Canaan, and when God cuts down those nations upon who's who dwe- presently dwelling on the land that Hashem has earmarked for you as your eternal inheritance, then Moshe Rabbeinu says, "Shalish Orim Tavdil You must designate or separate three cities in your land, which Hashem is going to give you so that you possess it as an eternal ancestral inheritance. The verses go on to describe how we are obligated to create not only roads but also signage so that those who need these cities should be able to access them easily and quickly. We're also told about the need for them to be equidistant from one another. It's got to be convenient for people to find asylum. The Torah gives us details of what is meant by an unintentional murderer. And then, in verse 8, the Torah says, Now the word im in Hebrew typically means if. When we speak about the actions taken by people, invariably, it will mean if. If you are to do this. Rabbi Shmuel famously teaches us in the Mechilta on Parshas Mishpatim that there are three verses in the Torah where it says Im, for example, in Parshas Mishpatim, giving alone, which is not to be meant as if, but rather when. But those are verses that speak about people taking action. <laughs> because people are unpredictable. However, when it comes to God saying, I am going to, the Im Yarchiv Hashem Ralei Kecha is not and if, but rather when, as Rashi puts it, the im-yarchiv is to be understood as kaasher nishba, as God has promised. When he broadens your land, when he expounds your boundaries, as he has forsworn to your forefather, Abraham, these are the lands which are called keni, k'nizi, and kadmoni, corresponding to the lands of Ammon, Moab, and Edom. When that happens, oh, Then there's a mitzvah, a messianic mandate. And the messianic mandate is that you, you are going to add another three cities. Look at that. Hashem is talking to us about the expansion of the borders of Israel. Such a thing has never happened. When we came back to Eretz Yisrael the second time around, the territory that we lived in was far smaller than the original biblical Israel. Here, God is saying he made a promise. He has to do this. Interestingly, the Rambam mentions this already previously. In the book of Neziken, damages, the last set of halachas is called the laws of murder or manslaughter and the preservation of life. The Rambam in the 8th chapter tells us in the days of the King Mashiach Moisif and there will be an additional three added to these original six. As it says l'cha, oyd you'll add another three cities. Where they added? Rambam says, the Torah spells it out. The lands of Cani, K'nizi, Kadmoni which were covenantally promised to our father Abraham. And it was never captured and about these very lands it is stated in the Torah it was interesting to me that looking in the Frankel version of the Rambam which is considered to be the most authentic the most carefully researched print of Rambam they viewed so many manuscripts before they actually printed their version it doesn't say Im they wrote Ki Yarchiv because the truth is, when the Rambam is talking about Ari Miklat, he isn't quoting Scripture. He quotes Scripture back in the book of Nazikin, but here in the book of Shoftim, the book of Judges, the Rambam says, "Af be Ari Miklat, hu Omer." hu Omer doesn't mean the Scripture states. He says a euphemism. The Scripture, the Chumash says, "Ki Here the Rambam is explaining it in the oral sense. Rashi used the word "kasher." Rambam uses the word key. When Hashem is going to broaden your land, then you're going to be adding an additional three cities. Rambam says, This never happened. And here, the Rambam makes a stunning statement. Four words. God did not make empty commands. If He commanded us that we have a part of a mitzvah, to fulfill, and the conditions for that mitzvah were never yet met, meaning it wasn't possible for us ever to do this mitzvah. Why would he give us a mitzvah? For which there would never be a possibility of fulfilling, because the conditions are never going to be met. The Rama says that makes no sense. And therefore, this becomes a proof in the words of the Torah itself. Now, whilst this is extremely logical, and the Rambam has essentially built the foundation, bringing us verses from Parshat Nitzavim that explicitly talk about the era of Mashiach, bringing us verses from Parshat Bilam or Balak, which finger or point to the person of Mashiach. And now the Rambam is telling us that the verses in Deuteronomy that spell out the mitzvah of designating the cities of refuge clearly identify a mitzvah that has yet to be actually fulfilled, even the possibility of this mitzvah has never been something realized, clearly Mashiach is talked about in the Torah itself. This leaves us though with a question. In the previous two proofs that the Rambam brought from the Torah of Moshe, we had explicit verses and then we had verses that require the expounding of the oral tradition. The words that the Rambam is talking about here in the book of Shoftim, the laws of kings, or in the book of Nezik, in the laws of damages, in the laws of manslaughter, these are lifted from the teachings of our sages that are found in the Jerusalem Talmud, as well as the Sifri, the Medrash Halacha, which spells out the details, the oral halachot that come along with the book, or books of Numbers and Deuteronomy. The Rambam is quoting our sages here. But this is the oral Torah. It's not really explicit. Which then begs the question what precisely was achieved by adding yet another proof? The first proof spoke about an era, those were explicit. The second proof spoke about the person, those require the commentary, requires the elucidation of the oral tradition. The third proof that Ramam's bringing are verses that definitely require the teachings of our sages, and they speak not to the person, but rather to the era, to the time, a time in which a particular phenomenon will unfold. It will only unfold when Mashiach comes. But the obvious question is, when it comes to the era of Mashiach, the Rambam has already shown us explicit verses. What's to be gained by quoting additional verses that do speak about Mashiach but only after we incorporate the oral tradition of the Torah as well. We've already proved that there'll be a time of a messianic redemption. We've already highlighted verses in the Torah that speak about the person of Mashiach. It seems that this additional proof from the cities of refuge is unnecessary, or in fact, entirely superfluous. What was the Rambam getting at? It's even more interesting to note that Ebba says that it's in a separate halacha. It's as if the first two proofs covering the moment and the man, that's one halacha. And then in a separate section, the Rambam introduces us to yet another idea or biblical proof. Yet it seems to be adding absolutely nothing we don't already know. Well, my friends, now you have it clear proofs from the Torah itself but the proofs as the Rambam has introduced it to us begs a big question and that will be continued in the next segment thank you for joining I look forward to seeing you back may our study about believing in and awaiting Mashiach accelerate his arrival thanks for joining